Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good afternoon slash evening to everyone, depending on where you are. Danny, did anything interesting happen to you in the last two minutes since we last talked? I stayed in the same seat, so not really. Still still <laughs> cloudy outside, so not, not, not a whole heck of a lot. But I'm excited to get to everyone's questions. And we actually already have a request in from Jackson. So as soon as as soon as you're ready to connect, we can we can get to it. Um, I had a question that's pretty simple. Uh, how good is Andrew Wiggins? Um, obviously he's been getting sort of all-star consideration or pub lately. I doubt you guys will agree with that. Um, but I also, I think heard on all 82, Marcus Thompson, maybe mentioning all defense. So I was wondering what you guys thought of him overall as a player right now and in particular his defense. So I, I think that it's definitely encouraging. I was I, my, my first thought went to offense. So I'll start with offense and I'll let Nate maybe respond more with defense is that Having him in a more favorable ecosystem, along with some of the other improvements, has made a big difference. Wiggins, you know, he's more of his threes are assisted. He doesn't have to do as much in terms of self-created twos as well. And that puts him, you know, I said it's a more favorable ecosystem. 89% of his threes are assisted this year. That would be the high of Wiggins' career. But I think more important than that, 59% of his twos. That's only been over 50% once in his career. And it's usually been in the mid to low 40s. And so that, you know, that shows that it's being more of a flow in the offense. And so there's a part of it that's actually sort of similar to what I what I've said about Aaron Gordon, which is he hadn't settled into being a being a smaller part of a bigger machine, but playing with better players has made that possible. And also to tie in, I'm assuming Nate will go here. He's improved a lot defensively. Yeah, I think you know he never was too bad as an individual defender, particularly when he revved up a little bit. It was more what he did within the team concept. And there are not that many guys who are that young who are Mikhail Bridges. And remember, Mikhail Bridges came into the league at 22, who are going to be getting that. He was 24 when he was traded to the Warriors. And I think the last couple of years, he's been a, a part of a good defense. And in the role that he's been asked to play, he's been solid. I don't think he's an elite stopper, but you don't necessarily need an elite stopper. You need someone who's good enough where it's not just going to be a disaster and oh man we got to help it's but even before he gets beat it's like all right sometimes he's going to get beat sometimes he's not and if he does get beat then we'll help but otherwise we can trust him to at least some of the time be able to defend some of the top scores and force them into a reasonably difficult shot one-on-one and that's a, a pretty valuable skill right i mean it, it, if we had to go through and i think we'll talk more about this in our small forward rankings of just how many are who are the players that you could trust to put on lebron james Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, James Harden, whoever that is, and do a semi-competent job in an isolation or getting over a screen and bothering them from behind a little bit. But that's a relatively short list. That's maybe, I don't know, 15 guys, 
20 guys in the league and then to also get someone who has hit 44 percent from three which is extremely valuable and then can do a little bit of isolation scoring and pick and roll and transition also still doesn't rebound but that's okay that they got other people to do that and you know he's also at the lowest number of assists per game this year but that's not something that's uh, he's really asked to do on this team either he's supposed to be more of a play finisher so i think if you look at how good he's been this year within the warriors system i would really have to go through it i'd be very surprised if i see him as an all-star level of player and then i think you also just have to caution of how much of this would be translatable to another team and you know particularly shooting 44 percent from three you know i think he's probably still kind of more down in the high 30s at best as a three-point shooter so very valuable player you know high quality starter you know maybe only overpaid by even as little as like five to eight million this year that's that's about where i'd put him right now if he's if he's shooting 44 percent from three at the end of the year then i will be a lot more convinced yeah that all sounds good i i definitely agree i feel like it's hard to separate the warriors ecosystem particularly this year from from his success um, I do remember seeing some tweet, maybe from Kasia Medvedovsky, that his Darko model was sort of buying into the improved Wiggins three-point shooting. Um, probably not at 44%, but maybe in the high 30s. But yeah, thanks for the question, or thanks for the answer. And, um, uh, oh, and, and one other thing I will point to also, low 70s from the line right now. Yes, and, and it hasn't, and hasn't improved even as his three-point shooter yeah. three-point shot has gotten better. No, in fact, I mean, he was 76% his first two years in the league. Uh, first three years in the league, he was metronome-like consistency. And interestingly, his fourth year in the league, the Butler year, he goes from 6.6 free throw attempts per game down to 3.8. And that's when his percentage started to decline. But he just, he doesn't feel to me like, oh man, this guy's just such a reliable shooter. But as long as he needs to get guarded out there, which I think is always going to be the case, then I think you can feel pretty good. Uh, what's up next here, Danny? Let's go to Greg. Greg, you're on the air. Hey guys, this is kind of like a two-part question. I'm a Bulls fan and like, I've been like so optimistic, but I can't like let myself believe that there's even like a 5% chance that they could win the conference. And I guess my biggest question is like who they have to guard Durant and who they have to guard Giannis. So my first part of the question is, am I wrong or crazy for thinking Derek Jones Jr. is about as good as you're going to get? Like that there's not a, like short of giving up Patrick Williams, that Derek Jones Jr. actually has the body type and like this season he's done pretty well on him. And then two, is there any like buyout, like dime store, Blake Griffin type guy who isn't going to stop Giannis but can make things difficult for him that it'd be available in the trade market or the buyout market. I'm not like aiming high, but I don't think like someone like Jeremy Grant's actually going to solve what we need. So that's, I guess my, my question. Yeah. So I would start by saying, I do think Derek Jones Jr. is pretty good for guarding KD and Javante Green can do a little bit there too. Derek Jones Jr. has a lot of length, but he's one of the few guys you could think of, of like if KD pulls up, he might actually be able to bother his jumper a little bit. Derek Jones Jr. is way too thin to deal with the honest though they I, I think they might actually be able to be semi-decent against the Nets potentially now without Kyrie if the Kyrie then no they're not stopping the Nets but I think the Bucks they just don't have anyone to guard Giannis as far as someone who might become available who could maybe guard Giannis it's tough because that player would have to play next to Vucevic ironically probably the best guy that might have been available that they can't get in a buyout is Thaddeus Young Thaddeus Young always did a pretty nice job well if he gets traded Giannis. again they 
could do it. That That is true. Yeah, I guess that's possible. But generally, I think if Thaddeus Young is going to get traded, it's going to be to a team that wants it. Yeah, but, but um, likely. There, there's not really a, a logical facilitator trade there. And the other challenge you brought up the, you know, where he's going to, where that Giannis defender is going to fit defensively, but also they're probably going to need to space the floor because even though DeRozan hit those two game winner, those two game winning buzzer beating threes, I still think you need to have that overall flow that helps make the Bulls offense work. So it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. But I think, Greg, you got into a more kind of in some ways a more interesting part of this, which is that I don't think dime store versions of that role exist unless you're just doing a straight five, but they want to play Vooch. Well, yeah, that's a good point that Vooch, Vooch has to be out there. And then their, their best lineup is probably Caruso and, you know, you take Green off the floor and Jones off the floor and you put Caruso in and play DeRozan at the four. And so then, yeah, who guards Giannis in that group? So you're either going to just have to guard Giannis by committee or put Vooch on him or... I guess do you, do you guys gonna, think yeah. of like somebody like I'm just like looking around the bad teams, which there's not that many who are going to give up. Like, what do you think of somebody like Darius Baisley? Is there any chance that the Thunder would just like punt on him because his options are coming up? Like, and- there, there's a chance they punt on him, but I don't think he solves any of their problems. Because he, like, I just I was watching some film of people who've done a reasonable job on Giannis this season, and he did a decent job. I know. Like Blake Griffin actually had a history of doing pretty well against Giannis, which is why I think the Nets are still going to hold on to him just as like a breaking place of emergency. So you don't really see a guy the Bulls could conceivably get that would have any chance. You really think they're going to have to go to this gang up scenario and just hope that he doesn't kill them? Well, of upcoming free agents, I think there's there are a few guys but they're all on teams that are already good and and have their own issues that they're not going to just let the guy go. So, you know, like you would say James Johnson, I mean, the Nets probably got him already because they thought maybe he could guard Giannis, right? Or, uh, is Jeff Green pretty, yeah. not, is Jeff Green not a good matchup? Like maybe the Nuggets like decide oh, this no, isn't their year. He is. In fact, if you look at how the Nets defense kind of fell apart in the last three games of that series, it was partially because, and now Jeff Green had like a ridiculous shooting game. I think it was in that game five, but, uh, it, part of why it fell apart was Harden, but the other part is Jeff Green. Jeff Green is not a good individual defender, and we've been we've been learning that since I think uh, 2014 when he got traded, or 2015 when he got traded to the Grizz, and then 2016 when he got traded to the Clippers, both for first round picks. <laughs> and then have you um, guys yeah. have you guys kind of turned on Larry Nance? Like I, I I know I think you both said the Bulls should have kept Larry Nance Jr., but like watching Derek Jones and seeing the impact he made like being able to hold his own with Durant would Nance have been better for like a Giannis type matchup or and why do you guys think he hasn't really fixed the Blazers defense at all if anything they've been like aggressively worse well I'll answer the second part of that you I don't think you can fix the Blazers defense I don't think and they're looking for something different you know they're in theory the way that you would solve the Blazers defense would be Rudy Gobert basically the idea of you just funnel everything in and have one person do it and Larry Nance isn't good enough at that to solve it in terms of Giannis I think he it, specifically with Giannis. I, I like Nate's point about Derek Jones Jr. on on Durant. In terms of Giannis, yeah, I think I would like Nance better than their options. But would I like him so much better than the other options to justify it? I don't know. Kyle Anderson would be another one that might Ooh. come to mind for me. But I mean, do the Grizz want to give him up where they're trying to get into the playoffs? I'm not really sure. Generally, these guys are good defenders at those positions. They're on good teams already. I mean, maybe maybe there's some center that could do it. But I just, you know, yeah, I really, I, I, but Robin they, they got to play boots, right? 
How yeah, many teams, I, how many but teams I think am I going to put slow, Robin Lopez on in the next two months? I think it's the answer is all of them. Okay, that was, that was a good good thread, though. I think it is important to think about how the Bulls are actually going to match up in the playoffs. Uh, who's up next here, Danny? Let's go to Michael. Michael, you are on the air once you unmute. Hello, can you hear me? We can. Uh, all right, fantastic. Um, I was wondering if uh, you guys covered the Nuggets-Mavericks game last night. Um, I was wondering whether you guys had any uh, big takeaways from that game or anything that might have like updated your priors for either team. Um, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, nu- Nuggets-Mavs, I think maybe just the biggest takeaway again is if the Dallas Mavericks can hit shots they're still a very dangerous team that's probably the number one thing to me and then just can they find a way to integrate Luca and Jalen Brunson they had one nice play that I pointed out in the broadcast where they got Brunson going uh, involved those two guys and a screener in some action they got Brunson going then flipped it back to Luca they run a lot of actions where they kind of run dummy action with guys on one side of the floor and then get it back to Luca in the middle to sort of occupy the help a little bit can they integrate Brunson into that obviously it's nice to have Brunson when Luca's off the floor but yeah that's the biggest thing to me is just you know can Reggie Bullock and Porzingis who's shooting 28 percent and Tim Hardaway who's at 33 percent the rest of the guys are actually hitting fine so if those guys can get back around their career norms and then they can integrate Brunson and Luca, I think they're a very dangerous team what about you Danny I was reminded of how limited the non-Jokic minutes are for the for the Nuggets I mean maybe even the non-Jokic players are for the Nuggets yeah I mean that that's a big that's a big part of it i mean nate so overall for the season negative 15 cleaning the glass net rating when he's out there and when he's not on the floor right when he's not on the floor there are offensive and defensive reasons for that we actually saw i think more of the offensive problems than the defensive ones in the game last night because they just don't have that many guys that can create an advantage and that can generate something and that is a hopefully a solvable problem by them just getting more players available but those more players it's not monte morris and that level it's Jamal Murray, basically, to me. Yeah, I guess for the Nuggets, too, just their guard play is so awful right now. And the 25 turnovers against the Mavs. I mean, that's like the Mavs actually were forced a few more turnovers than I thought they did, but they're still pretty much league average. There's nobody you're looking at. It's like, oh man, this guy's such a shark on the Mavs. He's just going to take your lunch money. So yeah, I, I mean, just the Nuggets, it's incredible how well Jokic can hold it together given some of the other pieces that they have, but it's just, it's not going to be, they're not going anywhere or doing anything until Murray gets back. All right. Thanks guys. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. 
and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that hundred night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas i'm going to be freezing but the american giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us thank you let's go to isabel isabel you're on the air hey guys uh i'm actually using my wife's twitter as i am not a twitter person long time listener going back to 20 right. well hey good glad to glad to have you on i'm glad that you're it was important enough to you to use your wife's twitter to get on here what do you got for us um so this is sort of a bill simmons-esque question sort of thinking about the players and in terms of like their historical profile um who would you have ranked above the other sort of when things are all said and done Kawhi Leonard or Chris Paul um, and sort of maybe just a smaller uh, question along those lines who, who do you think has contributed more to winning uh, throughout the course of their career up to now uh, Julius Randle or Marcus Smart thanks so much okay so we got Julius Randle versus Marcus Smart and Kawhi Leonard versus Chris Paul I think clearly Kawhi has had the higher peak than Chris Paul I don't think maybe 2008 might have been the only year that you could have said that Chris Paul was the best player in basketball but there was a lot of competition at that point with Kobe and Garnett in that year I would say obviously Paul has more longevity he's gonna have even to be you know still playing at a second team all NBA level the last 
three years given his age and he's not showing many signs of slowing down so i would anticipate that paul is going to have more longevity Kawhi has had these a bunch of seasons that he's just missed time but Kawhi leonard also to me do you agree with this danny had a is a much higher peak than oh yeah i mean Kawhi leonard was Kawhi leonard was the best player on a championship team and could have been in that mix he also was our permitted mvp one year which maybe cp would have done early in his career he's been in that mix and for Kawhi, i am yeah if we're saying regular seasons chris paul has had so much more durability and longevity but for peak now you're getting that but there is an interesting question in terms of like you know the way that we do player rankings in terms of if you have that player for the season in the playoffs let's take out these dramatic injuries you know like the tendinopathy and some of the other things it gets into a fascinating question because i think both guys are good enough to get you there and Kawhi leonard i mean i i use the term undeniability a lot and i think that Kawhi got to that point in a way that chris paul as much as i have been a point god believer never has and so the idea that if you kind of started it over again you can fit Kawhi with more players and i think he gives you more championship equity if we're taking out availability which of course gives chris paul that edge yeah chris has had had some injury issues as well but yeah Kawhi plays the more valuable position lower replacement level at that position he's had a year i think you know 2019 he essentially won the crown in part by default due to katie getting injured but of of being the best player in the nba and you know i think he was playing at that level again with the clearing now the the thing about Kawhi is he's kind of he's kind of had these three different peaks like 16 17 he was was up there and then he sprains his ankle in game one against the warriors and then 2019 he is actually able to finish out the season he has one of the great playoffs ever in 2019 despite the fact that he was still working through injury and then 2020 obviously a massive disappointment in the playoffs that year but then 2021 he comes back and he's he's at it again playing at that level and then he gets hurt again so you know there really is only one year because 2014 yeah he was great in the finals but he wasn't a guy who was even you know a top 15 player in the nba in 2014 so you know he's Kawhi is really only at you know 15 he was an all-star but not really that great of a player 16 he was unbelievable but maybe not as good as he was in 17 so but you're kind of only really looking at four maybe five awesome seasons so clearly chris paul has more career value i think he probably will end up being higher on my all-time rankings than Kawhi, unless Kawhi can have a whole second act to his career and put in four or five more really really good seasons then it's a conversation i don't know that that's going to happen given Kawhi's injury history so i would go with cp over Kawhi, even acknowledging that Kawhi has been better at his absolute best than cp and for smart randall i think if we're kind of going more on the career smart became a positive player earlier and has been has been one for a lot longer than randall i think that randall last year had a better all-around all season than smart has ever had I've, I've always been critical of smart's offensive limitations but the problem that randall hasn't built upon that this year and has really actually taken some some steps back it's it's informative it to me what that does in part is it informs the idea that particularly when we're coming when it comes to mid-range shooting that randall did that but it was benefiting from a degree of variation and so for me smart over randall pretty clear yeah i think randall has had that one year that's probably better than any year that smart has had but marcus smart has been a very solid winning player and of course the reason that this is such an interesting question is that those guys were picked back to back uh, back in 2014 celtics picked smart six and lakers picked randall seven and so i think yeah that one season by Randall, and and that one season by randall was a really nice season got the knicks into the playoffs etc but then he was me 
immediately terrible in the playoffs there was a feeling that he was way above his head in terms of his shooting which has kind of been proven this year and yeah I'll, I'll take and I you'd be hard pressed to find another Randall year where he was really even contributing at starter solid starter level for uh, at least on a really good team so yeah I, I would go smart as well thanks guys uh I appreciate it I, I mean D- did you want to weigh in on the CP Kawhi thing you know uh to use a a great dunked on uh word I, I would say that Kawhi's run through the east was sort of so incandescent when yeah. uh they the one they won that championship um I I think it's really tough to put CP3 above him kind of because of that one playoff run I mean when we're thinking about like the great sort of recent playoff runs Giannis Dirk Kawhi I think those are kind of have some special cachet to them um and I think for that reason sort of in my mind I I I might have him above CP3 who's you know probably arguably the third greatest point guard of all time which is kind of a crazy thing to say um but if you're kind of in the business of winning championships I I think that was sort of so special and unique but uh yeah it's it's certainly eye of the beholder Danny should we do our our point guard rankings right now I think if we're we're gonna say CP is the third greatest of all time who's who's your number two if you're if you're saying CP is number three yeah yeah I think that's right magic staff and yeah, I think CP would probably and, be number and three. And if you're somebody like me who says that because Magic typically didn't defend point guards, he shouldn't be classified as one. He was a primary ball handler, not a point guard, which once got me yelled at at an airport by a media member who I will not name. Nah, um, it's going to get you yelled at by me too in a second okay. here. <laughs> It's it uh, positional definitions are just a weird thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, he he didn't defend point guards, but the way I do it is who what are the players who are playing with you? And so the mo- the typical Lakers lineup. No, now you want to say if when he was playing with Norm Nixon before they traded him in yeah. 1983 to get Byron Scott. Yeah, I think you could say he wasn't the point guard at that point. He was kind of more of a hybrid and but then but after that he absolutely was a point guard because there's he was the guy bringing the ball up every time and you know, I would say LeBron LeBron James played point guard for the Lakers in the 1920 season because they weren't starting another player who was a point guard next to him. Whereas, so you, it's just look at the other players around you. Like he's the one, Byron Scott is the two, Worthy is the three, AC Green is the four. I, 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 will, and, I will not linger on this, but this is why I've always been frustrated that we use, that the term point guard means two different things. And I wish we used a second term for one of them, And I, but there's no way to change it now probably. Yeah, it's, you, there's... I think there's five players on the floor, so you have to have five positions. Now, if you want to talk about the role within the offense, like that's a, I think that's just a different categorization. Like you could just, you can have, it's two different discussions. Like Exactly. You, that's what I mean. And I think people yeah. conflate the two. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay. But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Um, all right, that that was a fun one. Who's up next here, Danny? Let's go to Jim. Jim, you're on the air. Awesome. Uh, thanks for doing this, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, thanks. yes. And, and by the way, sorry to chastise you, Jim, because everyone says it, but you don't need to say, can you hear me? Because this is going to be a podcast later that gets a little grating. So just start talking. And if we're not responding to you, then you'll know that we don't hear. Cool. Makes sense. Thanks. Um, so I'm a Bay Area native, but I'm a Blazers fan. So I got a Blazers question for you. Um, seems like they're kind of at an inflection point 
point uh, with kind of Dame this summer, maybe going to make a trade request, maybe not, and then getting off to a pretty poor start this year. Um, so my question is, what do you see as kind of the better path for them? Is it time to blow it up? Are there enough assets around the league that that makes sense to do? Like, is there going to be a team like how the Clippers went all in on Paul George or the Lakers did for Anthony Davis? Is there a team out there with assets or enough teams around the league with assets to make it worth blowing it up? Or should they try to ride one of these, you know, and for Simons just went off. Let's package him with Robert Covington to try to get another piece and try to keep Dame uh, sticking around. So I uh, wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on what you thought their kind of best path would be. Well, so so let me ask you this question. Let me respond to your question with a question. Damian Lillard this year, where would you rank him in terms of players in the NBA? And if you want to price in that he's been a little bit below where you would expect him to be going forward, but what type of player is he? I've always thought of Dame as kind of the lower end of the top 10. Um, so that's kind of where I'd, where I'd see him right now is around 10, probably. Yeah, I might push it a little bit lower personally just due to age and the fact that he hasn't been that good. He's got this abdominal injury that seems like it's probably not going to be fully healed until the offseason that he's still missing time for. And he's been playing better at times lately, but I you know, I think he might be more in the 10 to 15 range for me when we do top 10 players in the NBA this year. That's my guess. He could he is capable of going on these runs where, you know, maybe he'll be back kind of in the 8 to 10 range. I don't think he's ever ranked higher than 8 for me. Maybe he gets a 7 one year, but he's on the downside now as well. And so my thought is you're you can't win a championship with that guy as your best player unless it's you just have an unbelievable supporting cast. I'm not even sure you can win a you can win a conference finals or or a conference finals game (laughs) Um, Uh, or get to a conference finals. Yeah, but so I I will agree with you on all that, and I'll pivot to the other part of this, which I think fans, you know, I'll use Twitter as a proxy for this, have gotten better over the years. But a key question is always, can you? tear it you know like there are teams that they say oh tear it to the studs do you do all that like for example indiana i don't think they can do that not only because of the brogdon thing because he can't be traded but just because you have things that are sad or you have good young players that aren't going to move the thunder with shea are an interesting example of this and my answer for that for portland is yes i think they can tear this down and there have two starters that are on expiring contracts and that does make it harder to get something for those guys and it also will, would theoretically be hard to sign and trade them because so many other teams have these constraints because they're only roughly four teams with cap space and sign and trades get thorny and all that but norm powell is on a pretty reasonable contract i think if you wanted to get off of that you'd be okay and part of this is something we don't know which is talking to damian lillard and what does he want what is he willing to tolerate but i don't think knowing what i know right now you owe it to him to have a have a team that is like in the playoff mix for the next four years if he wants to stick around and sign him to extension i don't think he has that kind of equity within the organization to to make that happen and so to me you you tear it down and you say you say this is what we're going to do we'd love to have you as a part like if you want to be a part of it we will keep you here but if you don't then we're happy to move so uh, let, let me ask you this as we kind of talk through this jim would moving lillard or keeping lillard at this trade deadline which of those would be a riskier move for the organization I think it's riskier to keep him. Uh, I, I, I think agree. if you've got Dame on your team, especially that first year once uh, that um, you know 2015 team blew up with Dame, it seems like your floor is you know going to be at this point the play in. Um, even though they haven't played that great this year, it seems like with Dame on the team and he's on a decline. But for the next couple of years, you're going to be too good to effectively tank, and you're going to get less and less return the longer you keep him. 
Um, so I, I would agree with you guys there with, I think it's riskier to hold on to him. Um, you know, if he makes a trade request, then you're not going to get as much value back potentially. Um, all the contingencies just seem like there's not a lot of routes going on from that trade deadline that are better than trading him. No, I think you're right. And the risk to elucidate that a little bit more, you mentioned the idea of trading him and getting a team's whole future draft or something like that. And also maybe some intriguing young players. You know, I think Philly or New York might be interested in doing that right now, particularly Philly. And Philly has some decent young players. So does New York. And yeah. So Nate, if you're Portland, which of those teams would you rather bet against with Lillard on their team? For me, that would be New York. I think that's probably right. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good point right it's like oh first from new york versus first from philly yeah i think i'd probably rather bet against new york although philly because daryl morey i think he's going to be there for a while he's like too competent i think to just let them totally fall apart and you know obviously there's going to be a lot of haggling over the protection and stuff like that too i think really it'd be more about who gives you the most draft pick equity both in terms of picks but also as you mentioned just potentially not being that good and also protections uh, on those picks so but i think you know those are two teams that would do it right now if Philly makes another move for Ben Simmons because Lillard isn't available, all right, maybe Tobias Harris could be the piece in the trade instead or something. But they presumably they're not going to move Ben Simmons unless they get another difference-making piece. Then they're off the board. The Knicks, like, they'll probably be there, but maybe they'll just, hey, Lillard could get injured the rest of the year. Maybe he has to, they just, the Blazers decide to keep him, but then they tank. They're totally out of it. They shut him down and get surgery on this uh, abdominal issue, whatever it is. Or Lillard's value, as you mentioned, it could be low he's a year older etc like this is this is the best year that he has remaining right now a team would want to trade for him to potentially compete at this moment so i'm not sure who else is out there danny who has a full draft to give going forward that could make that other than new york and philly any, any other teams come to mind for you guys i don't I, see boston as one i just got scared about new orleans doing something yeah uh, that could be interesting yeah moral hazard baby yeah depends what the price is i suppose they at least even if they got lillard would probably still have a bad pick this year so they could you know they offer like a seven or eighth pick projected value something like that in the deal so so that's my thought on it and now what is it worth to keep dame around his whole career it's just like can you really like here's the other thing too i would say about it is they've tried everything they've tried literally everything that you can do i think at this point you talked about okay will they try to trade covington again and simons and maybe they could get somebody else in here but i think you know i guess they haven't tried trading cj yet but they've gone for covington which was that was the right move right your defense sucks we're gonna get this pretty good defensive forward we trade two first round picks for him and then all right let's uh let's get larry nance we'll trade a first round pick for him and try to shore up even more with our forward defense around damon cj and that still just hasn't worked oh we'll change the coach right terry sots has grown stale well i think it's pretty clear to me that they screwed up that coach hire. I think Phillips has been probably among the worst of these first year head coaches. And he's, if anything, their defense is worse than it was under Stotts at times because they're not even defending really with Nurkic on the floor that much anymore. And so uh, all that, I, I think there's, other than maybe trading CJ, there's just not many other paths to improve at this point to even become a threat to be a top four seed in the West, not to mention a conference finalist. So I think you, you there's a feeling, I think that you've exhausted all avenues. And yes, it might be 
nice if you go to Dame and say, hey, here's kind of our plan to have him be like, okay with being traded makes it look better for the organization. But if it were me, and I don't know if they have the leadership to do this in place right now, I would move him at this deadline or certainly think very seriously about it and see what the offers were and whether they're commensurate with what I thought his value was. Um, Let's do a quick lightning round here, Danny. Now that we've got about 10 minutes left or so here, Jim, great question there. Thanks for helping us talk through that. And let's, uh, let's get Jake in here and we'll do, Jake, if you want to just ask your question real quickly and we'll try to answer it quickly, speed things up a little bit here. So my question, it's like slightly divergent from each other, but what two top 10 players on your guys' rankings of NBA top 10 would be like matchmaking if you put them together would be the most fun to watch and then who would be like the best complement for each other Steph and Giannis would be my thought of most fun to watch and maybe best complement for each other as well um this is this is top 10 from last year that's obviously going to change uh what you got any thoughts Danny yeah Steph Steph and Giannis is a good one especially now that like Kawhi is probably not a lockdown defender at this point in his career because I love the idea of a wing defender and an offensive like lead creator and so you're probably not going to get that so the rim protector is probably the way to the way to do it I mean if we're saying peak their powers Steph and AD is nasty too I mean Steph and LeBron would also be pretty damn fun even those those guys have been foils for so long at this point but i think that would that would be pretty awesome um you know what actually would be pretty interesting danny how about Jokic and Giannis? Ooh, how yeah. do you like that that'd be fun i i would be full i would be i mean you you it's funny because you, you would feel so much more confident about their defense like that exactly would- right and you know the Giannis could push it in transition you could have the to be able to for a team to have two guys who could guard one of those guys you have great passing as well and then obviously Giannis could make up for Jokic defensively and I think you could have a good enough defense to win the championship with those two I think that's actually my answer Giannis and Jokic that would be absolutely fascinating okay great question there um who's up next here let's go to Kyle Chaos you are next on the air hi what's up guys thanks for having me on I just wanted to ask about the Miami Heat since I'm a Heat fan. Um, With the um, recent uh, good play of guys like Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, I just want to ask you guys, um, if the Heat were to be fully healthy with Oladipo back and these new additions, uh, could you see them coming out of the East? Thanks. 100%. Absolutely, I could. They are the sleeping giant right now. When they've been together, they've looked really good. I think they they could be either the best or second best playoff defense uh, with the Golden State. Milwaukee has a few too many holes for me to put them in that group right now, although they're still very good as well. Yeah, I mean, I think they could. There's a possibility that they could shut down just about everyone. Now, if Kyrie is back and he's allowed and he gets vaccinated or the rules change and it's the three of those guys in Brooklyn, then no, I would I wouldn't give him as much of a chance, but. Yeah, I mean, and then you throw in Struess, like getting some more depth, some more shooting, that that quick shooting as well. And, you know, Oladipo, I don't know how much he's going to, he might just not even be as good as someone like Struess. And he kind of, they already kind of have Tyler Hero in that role anyway. I think Oladipo might just be a depth piece at best for them at this point. But I think even without Oladipo, I am very bullish on what this team could be if it ever gets healthy. The problem that you run into, especially with Butler, is just, is he going to actually like be at his full strength in the playoffs i still worry about miami's half court offense but i also don't there's not a team if brooklyn is less than whole that puts that fear into me so yeah i absolutely could see them coming 
Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Thanks to Kyle for the question. Let's go to Davis. Oh, and Davis is gone now. We will go to uh, Roosh. Roosh, you're going to be on the air as soon as you connect. There he is. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, what do you got for us, Roosh? What's going on, Nate? Thanks, man. Um, I'm over from uh, Rocket's Twitter. Just a question, man. What do you see <clears throat> as a realistic landing spot and trade package for Christian Wood um, at this juncture in the season and also given what's recently happened? And in addition to that, what do you think the Rockets should do with Kevin Porter Jr.? Yeah, that's a that's a good one of what teams need Christian Wood, Danny. Do you have any thoughts on where he would fit well? Always the Charlotte Hornets. They're still looking they're still looking for a center, even though warm-up pants is is manning the position there. I so that's one of the really interesting ripple effects of the center position changing is that you're like, okay, what team could really could it really elevate them to have a lower caliber starting center? And there aren't that many teams. I mean, I'd be really interested. Like, I was thinking about Dallas as a possibility. It'd be a different theory. Yeah. I still think KP should be their center, but... Hmm? Yeah, Wood's defense has been so disappointing this year, and particularly then to have uh, this kind of meltdown that he had recently, I think that's going to really hurt his trade value a lot. And you start to run into this perception of him, which may be accurate that he's more of just this stats based curio who needs to play center on offense it didn't really go well with him playing at the four and then that he's just not going to give you i think he could fit in with a really good defensive team around him potentially you know how, how about uh what about the lakers danny what do you think of that i i mean i think i still think davis is best of the five but the other potential like selling point there for la is wood's contract isn't that big so that means you the manageable salary it, it, it's doing that and he'll be extension eligible so theoretically you could line him up for the long term i think that's worth a phone call but the lakers are not exactly asset rich at the moment how about the and i, I guess this is something Roosh alluded to also is 
what is his trade value going to be? I, you know, I could have maybe squinted and thought, all right, two low level first round picks, maybe that you could have gotten something like that for him. I think it's, I think but, it's more like a single first. No, I, I think that's clearly the case at this point. But that also a lower price also allows more teams to join in. Now, the question I would have for you, Rusha, is if it is the 25th pick in the draft, is that worth moving Christian Wood for you uh, as a, a Rockets guy? <clears throat> you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a Christian Wood fan, but I think at this point, obviously, you have the the question of what to do with his contract next season, whether you extend him. And I don't think he's a, he fits the Rockets' timeline. I think that's kind of the consensus for the most part at this point. Um, I do think you heard his trade value. I mean, I think I think if you could get a late first, maybe from how about this, a late first from Phoenix, and maybe you take Jalen Smith on. I would take that if if they would. You know, I don't know. I don't think Phoenix would, um, but if they were willing to roll those dice, I would take that. Yeah, maybe you would take Sharich back for for next year as well. I, I'm not. I think Phoenix might even want to just keep Smith around and try to re-sign him next year. And they, I mean, DeAndre Ayton's going to play 40 minutes a game in the playoffs, so I don't think Phoenix wants to give up draft equity. They're also out that pick still to OKC in the Paul trade as well so that wouldn't be because i mean christian wood would play eight minutes a game in the playoffs right probably i, I think you know? that realistically um it's going to be two two options right you're either going to be seeing a team in the middling tier that needs a shakeup, like a boston maybe or a yeah. charlotte that has the fit or it's going to be a bottom feeder that just needs to do something like sacramento realistically yeah but i mean rashawn holmes they already have him under contract for four years and he's probably better than christian wood at least in their eyes you would think so yeah there are not that many teams that need to center which is part of the part of the issue now the fact that wood can shoot and block some shots in theory makes him a better fit but if he could have just looked to be passable defensively i think that would have really improved his value did i mention the bucks already danny you did not that would be interesting that i don't i don't think that they particularly value christian wood or they wouldn't have just let him get away for nothing <laughs> they also don't have a ton in the way of matching salary unless they're willing yeah to but on yeah but if they if they get yeah that's true if they got some, but lopez is still under contract i think for another year after Correct. this one right so yeah they wouldn't really yeah they would have to go portis and yeah maybe they could get close but then they would have to take on way more salary they're already in the tax i don't think they would want to do that either so yeah that that's probably a non-starter actually the lakers is like not insane to me honestly that's and ad you could play with ad kind of protect him a little bit maybe he doesn't have to be in the closing lineup but he gives you way more than jordan and howard and also just gives you a center option who could play pretty well with russ you know, so would you, LeBron, kind of keep him in line? Would you go for the Lakers 2027 or 2028 first round pick? Well, and presumably Horton Tucker is the matching salary, so that's a sales too. I would say. Oh uh, yeah, maybe it would. It would probably just have to be just straight up Horton Tucker. Then I think. Are you interested in that if you're the Houston Rockets? I I don't know. This this blow up really hurts. I, I think for his trade value and particularly the reporting. Uh, yeah, go, go ahead, Ruth. Sorry. No, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just gonna say, um, all signs at this point, given all the context and everything that's happened, and not even signs, just uh, my gut feeling is Charlotte. Something centered around PJ Washington and, and a in a pick with Charlotte. Um, I think they're the only team that really could use him and could use him well with LaMelo. I think him and LaMelo would, would be pretty terrific. Um, and that, that's kind of what makes sense. I mean, Horton Tucker, maybe. I feel like the Rockets kind of have their backcourt. You know, they got Josh Christopher, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green. So maybe they fit Horton Tucker into there. But I, I don't, maybe I'm in the minority. I don't know if he's worth what he got paid quite yet, but maybe I'm wrong about that. 
I agree with you. No, at least I, as of now. Yeah, no, and that can happen where guys on the Lakers get overrated. Although I will say that most of those guys who've left the Lakers have been like your Caruso's and Ingram and Lonzo. Those guys have all actually turned out to be pretty good. Clarkson turned out to be Julius decent in, in the end. Yeah, Julius Randle. A lot of those guys have actually they drafted pretty well over the years. Yeah, Charlotte. If you're going PJ PJ Washington and a pick, Charlotte's going to say at best we're doing that straight up with some matching salary and at worst you need to give us something because pj washington is on a rookie scale contract and washington actually wouldn't be a terrible fit i don't think in houston with his shooting ability but yeah he and shangun in the front court is not amazing either as a from a defensive standpoint so yeah no that's that's tough i think i like wood a lot of places but it's just if he did a little more defensively it would be a lot easier what what Um, about what about the wizards I mean, they got Gafford and Harrell. I don't think that they would necessarily see... They just signed Gafford long-term. I don't think they would see Wood as an upgrade, really. Yeah, fair. Okay, um, we'll, we'll thank you very much, Roosh. We'll do Simon very quickly as the last question. Hey, appreciate you guys. Uh, so my question is around uh, James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga's uh, development here. So for, for Warriors fans... I think a big focus is on, you know, how much playing time they get and how much playing time Wiseman will get. But I haven't heard many analytical arguments around how much sitting on the bench actually stunts their growth. Uh, So I was hoping to, you know, kind of pick your brains on if you've seen any data around, you know, limited playing time for for these 19 and 20 year olds and how much that will affect both their floor and ceiling going forward. And if it is detrimental, like, is it beneficial to send them to the G League to get 35 minutes and, uh, you know, maybe come in on the playoff, come in in the playoffs and play for five to 10 minutes here and there? Yeah, KP wrote about this, Kevin Pelton from ESPN, and wasn't really able to find that there any evidence that sitting on the bench and learning or potentially playing the G League hurts guys development one way or the other in fact there's i think you can correct me if i'm wrong here dane there's at least some evidence that it almost helps a little bit now there's of course selection bias there because generally if a high lottery pick is sitting on the bench it's because he's already on a good team and that's a good organization and maybe they're just generally developing better but you could also say the need to earn time early in a guy's career makes him deal have to deal more with little things and then he doesn't get into bad habits that are going to kill him later in his career i definitely think playing in the g league is important for both of those guys long-term development to where yes they can do the things that are going to get them on the floor which are very limited roles for the Warriors but then that they also have a chance to just build confidence explore the studio space Wiseman in particular just to get some confidence catching the ball and just existing and playing a bunch of minutes out there particularly because Wiseman himself is so inexperienced and Kaminga kind of falls into that category too that just have not played that much high-level basketball in their careers I think it would be useful for them to to go down there yeah Nate Nate hit on it I brought broadly think that NBA minutes are overrated in terms of that. And I mean, it comes up all the time. I mean, I have various examples. Like there was this thing, I wrote a piece about KJ McDaniels and Jeremy Grant years ago. And it was like, oh, KJ McDaniels. It's like, no, they, they KJ McDaniels didn't play because they they weren't quite sure that he was good. That was the issue, not because of the contract he signed. Um, So I think it's, it's a mix. It's a mix of the two. I think getting some reps, understanding what's done, but generally speaking, practice and the coaching and all direct coaching and all of that is more important than the part that we can see. I would say overall, as long as you get at least some of the bets okay well appreciate you guys thanks yeah thanks simon for the great question thanks to everyone who contributed as well this is a a lot of fun and we'll be back at the same time you can join me and john hollinger tomorrow at 2 eastern 11 pacific we'll talk to you all then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 